Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for your patience, and welcome to the fourth quarter 2007 Hewlett-Packard Earnings Conference Call. My name is Bill, and I'll be your conference coordinator for today. At this time, all of our participants are in a listen-only mode. We will be conducting our question-and-answer session towards the end of today's presentation. If you would like to queue up for a question, please feel free to key star followed by one at any point during the course of today's conference. If you do experience any audio difficulties with the conference call today, please feel free to key star followed by zero, and the conference coordinator will be more than happy to assist you. As a reminder, today's conference is being recorded for replay purposes. I would now like to transfer the conference over to your host for today's presentation, Mr. Jim Burns, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please proceed, sir. Thank you, Bill. Good afternoon, and welcome to our fourth quarter earnings conference call with Chairman and CEO Mark Hurd and CFO Kathy Lesjack. This call is being webcast live. A replay of the webcast will be available shortly after the call for approximately one year. Some information provided during this call may include forward-looking statements that are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, and actual future results may vary materially. Please refer to the risks described in HP's SEC reports, including our Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended July 31, 2007. The financial information discussed in connection with this call includes tax-related items, reflects estimates based on information available at this time, and could differ materially from the amount ultimately reported in HP's 2007 Form 10-K. Earnings, operating margins, and similar items at the company level are sometimes expressed on a non-GAAP basis and have been adjusted to exclude certain items, including amortization of purchase intangibles and restructuring charges. The comparable GAAP financial information and a reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the tables and in the fourth quarter earnings slide presentation accompanying today's earnings release, both of which are available on the HP Investor Relations webpage under company information at www.hp.com. Finally, I would ask if you please refrain from asking multi-part questions or clarifications during the Q&A. I'll now turn the call over to Mark. That request of Jim's has never worked in any call, but uh, I hope it works today. And uh, with that, I'll wish you a good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. HP delivered a strong fourth quarter to close out a solid fiscal year. We had balanced growth across all regions and executed well in key market segments. For the year, we added over $12 billion of new revenue, grew non-GAAP operating profit dollars 30%, and returned over $12 billion to shareholders through share repurchases and dividends. Let me walk you through some of the financial highlights of the quarter. HP revenue grew 15% to $28.3 billion. Non-GAAP operating margins expanded to 9.9% of revenue, which is up 90 basis points from last year. Non-GAAP EPS was $0.86, up 26% versus the prior year period, and we utilized our strong cash flow to repurchase $2 billion of shares. We generated these results while continuing to invest in our long-term strategic initiatives, which we expect will strengthen HP's competitiveness and efficiency. We did close 10 acquisitions during the year and recently announced three more. With McDermott Colorspan, we expanded our portfolio of digital presses and wide-format printers for our growing position in the graphic arts industry. With Atos Origin Middle East, we strengthened our consulting and integration capabilities in this fast-growing market. And by acquiring EYP mission-critical facilities, we'll further our ability to design and to support large-scale data centers. Next, I'll try to spend a few minutes giving you some business highlights, and then Kathy will walk you through the actual numbers. We saw meaningful improvement in the TSG Group, Technology Solutions Group, which grew revenue 12% and operating profit 31% versus the prior year quarter. This performance generated $1.4 billion of operating profit, representing approximately half the company's profit for the quarter. 
HP software, blade servers, and technology services all finished the year with especially strong results. Our solution portfolio is stronger than ever, and we are encouraged by the initial results of the enterprise Salesforce deployment. Building on this success, we will be making additional sales coverage investments in 2008 to expand our share of wallet. 2007 marked an important year for HP software. We doubled the size of the business and strengthened our portfolio with key acquisitions. I'm particularly pleased with the success of Mercury, and the integration has gone well. In the fourth quarter, we began to achieve the kind of operating margins expected from a scaled software business, one that is now the sixth largest software company in the world. In addition, we recently closed the acquisition of Opsware, a leader in runbook automation and server and network configuration. Moving forward, we'll continue to grow the business as we integrate Opsware and strategically align our business intelligence and information management capabilities into the HP software segment. The Personal Systems Group delivered an impressive fourth quarter to close out an excellent 2007. For the year, revenue grew over $7 billion and operating profit increased by $787 million, more than any other segment at HP. We continue to benefit as demand shifts towards mobility, the consumer, and emerging geographies such as Southeast Asia and Latin America. In China, we are now selling in over 400 cities with more expansion planned in this key market. In the fourth quarter, we also closed the acquisition of Neoware, which will solidify our leadership in the thin client market. The Imaging and Printing Group produced a solid fourth quarter with good momentum in key growth areas, including graphic arts and commercial printing. For the year, IPG revenue grew 6%, and operating margins expanded to 15.2%. We saw meaningful growth in our enterprise printing business this quarter and will be expanding our sales coverage in this segment. At the same time that we're investing in our growth markets, we are rationalizing parts of our imaging and printing portfolio. As an example, earlier this month, we announced that we are seeking an alternative camera business model, which will free up capital for more attractive categories, such as marketing collateral and retail photo solutions. We have significant opportunities to further scale the business, and we will focus our energies in these areas. As a company, we are executing the plans we have laid out and delivering our, com our commitments to our customers, partners, and investors. We are effectively balancing growth, investments, and cost reduction initiatives. While our fourth quarter results show marked improvement, we still have work to do and investments to make. Next, um, I'm going to turn it over to Kathy so that she can give you some, uh, some uh, further uh, detail on the numbers, and I look forward to... Uh, seeing you in uh, New York City at the Analyst Day, where we can give you more details on some of the things we've talked about. Thanks, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. HP delivered another solid quarter of balanced revenue and operating profit growth. Revenue for the fourth quarter totaled $28.3 billion, up 15% year-over-year, or up 11% in constant currency. Non-GAAP operating profit grew 27% year-over-year, to $2.8 billion, or 9.9% of revenue. Looking at revenue by geography, each of our regions grew in double digits, with Asia-Pacific up 20%, EMEA up 19%, and Americas up 10%. We continue to benefit from our broad geographic reach, with 67% of our revenue coming from outside of the U.S. Fourth quarter gross margin was 24.7%, compared to a year ago, Gross margin was up 40 basis points, driven by a generally favorable commodity environment and disciplined pricing. Strong performance in HP software offset the negative gross margin mix impact of PSG's strong performance at the company level. Non-GAAP operating expenses for the quarter were $4.2 billion, or 14.8% of revenue, an improvement of 50 basis points compared with a year ago. 
in absolute dollars, operating expenses grew $430 million, driven predominantly by 10 acquisitions completed in FY07 and the effects of currency, as well as investments in sales resources. Going forward, we'll continue to invest in new areas that have the potential to drive future growth while remaining focused on optimizing our cost structure. Non-GAAP OINE yielded income of $67 million, or roughly $0.02 per share. Our non-GAAP tax rate was 20% in Q4. Fourth quarter non-GAAP EPS was $0.86, up 26% from the $0.68 that we reported one year ago. GAAP EPS was $0.81, which included $132 million, or $0.05 per share, in after-tax adjustments primarily related to the amortization of purchase intangibles that were excluded from our non-GAAP results. For the full year, we reported revenue of $104.3 billion, non-GAAP operating margin of 9.2%, and non-GAAP EPS of $2.93. On a GAAP basis, EPS was $2.68, which includes $690 million, or $0.25 per share, in after-tax adjustments primarily related to the amortization of purchase intangibles, restructuring, net pension curtailment, in-process and in-process R&D that were excluded from our non-GAAP results. Drilling in on the performance by business segment, during the fourth quarter, imaging and printing revenue grew 4% year-over-year to $7.6 billion, with supplies revenue growth of 6%, and commercial hardware revenue growth of 5%. Consumer hardware revenue declined 5% year-over-year, primarily due to the declines in appliance printers and cameras. Total printer hardware units were up 5% year-over-year. This growth is slower than recent periods, reflecting our decision to be more disciplined in our pricing of appliance printers and a tough prior year compare. Excluding appliance printers, total printer hardware units were up 9% year-over-year. In the consumer business, printer units were up 3% from the prior year, led by solid all-in-one unit growth. In the commercial business, printer hardware units were up 15% year-over-year, led by color laser printer shipments up 17%, and printer-based MFP shipments up 26%. In the fourth quarter, IPG delivered solid operating profit of $1.1 billion dollars or 14.5% of revenue, including a charge of $32 million, reflecting changes in the camera business model. This change in our camera strategy will have unfavorable impact of approximately one percentage point on IPG revenue in FY08. Going forward, you will see us strategically taking out costs and realigning resources to build on our core business and accelerate our investments in growth initiatives. Personal systems had another outstanding quarter, with every region reporting double-digit growth, market share gains, and strong margin performance. For the first time, revenue in the quarter topped the $10 billion mark, increasing 30% year-over-year. Unit shipments were up 31% from the prior year period. The market growth continues to be led by the shift to mobility, consumer demand, and emerging markets. These trends are playing to our strengths, and in the fourth quarter, we grew notebook units 57% year-over-year. Consumer client revenue was up 40%, 
and total revenue from emerging markets was up 56% from the prior year period, with revenue from China, our third largest market for PCs, up more than 100%. We continue to see momentum in the commercial markets, with our commercial client revenues up 24%. Our workstation business grew 31% year-over-year, as we leverage a solid product offering combined with strong sales execution and customer loyalty. Segment operating profit was $589 million, or 5.8% of revenue. Compared with the prior year period, PSG operating profit increased 75%, or $253 million, demonstrating solid sales execution, increased attach, and cost discipline. The favorable commodity environment also contributed to these strong operating margin results. Moving now to the Technology Solutions Group. Enterprise storage and service continued to show strong growth in the fourth quarter, with revenue growing 10% year-over-year to $5.2 billion, and operating profit increasing to 13.5% of revenue. Within ESS, industry standard servers revenue increased 14% year-over-year, driven by 78% growth in x86 blades. Revenue in storage was up 7% year-over-year, with growth of 17% in the mid-range EVA business, partially offset by declines in our tape business. While there is still much room for improvement, we are pleased with the progress the storage team is making. Business critical systems showed growth in every region this quarter. In total, BCS revenue for the fourth quarter was up 5% year-over-year, reflecting improvements in sales coverage and execution. While ESS margins were favorably impacted by component prices, our margin expansion is also driven by improved sales execution, pricing discipline, and our ability to reduce costs and invest in growth markets. In the fourth quarter, HP Services delivered revenue of $4.4 billion, up 7% over the prior year period, with balanced 7% growth in each of our three business units. Operating profit for the quarter was $526 million, or 12% of revenue. For the full year, operating margin expanded 140 basis points to 11% of revenue, highlighting the sustained efforts of the team to reduce the cost of service delivery. HP Software had an outstanding quarter with revenue of $698 million, an operating margin of 25.4%, or $170 $7 million, reflecting strong operational performance of the OpenView and Mercury businesses, as well as the benefits that come with scale. For the full year, HP Software delivered revenue of $2.3 billion and operating profit of $347 million. HP Financial Services had revenue of $657 million, up 21% year-over-year, and generated operating margin of 7.3%. We are encouraged with the growth in our core financing volume and portfolio assets over the last several quarters, as well as the strong performance in end-of-lease renewals and equipment sales. Moving now to the balance sheet. HP-owned inventory ended Q4 at $8 billion, or 34 days of supply, down four days compared with a year ago. With regard to channel inventory, we exited Q4 in good shape. 
personal systems ended the quarter with approximately four and a half weeks in the channel, up a half a week compared with last year and well within our target range. Weeks of channel inventory for imaging and printing and enterprise storage and servers were roughly flat year over year. Trade receivables ended the quarter at $13.4 billion. DSO increased to 43 days in Q4 from 40 days one year ago. Accounts payable ended the quarter at $11.8 billion. Days payable was 50 days, down from 59 days last year. As we've discussed in prior quarters, we will continue to leverage our balance sheet to drive shareholder value. Next, property, plant, and equipment was up $935 million year-over-year to $7.8 billion. Gross CapEx was $813 million, down 16% year-over-year. On a net basis, CapEx was $748 million, down 14% from the prior year period. Capital expenditures were primarily in IT, real estate facilities, and assets used in our leasing business. Net PP&E as a percentage of revenue now stands at 7.5% of revenue, flat year over year. Moving on to our cash balance and cash flow. Q4 cash flow from operations was $3.6 billion, and free cash flow was $2.9 billion. Share repurchases during Q4 totaled $2.2 billion, $2 billion in the open market, or approximately 42 million shares. At the end of the quarter, we had roughly $2.7 billion remaining in the current share repurchase authorization. We announced today that the Board has approved an additional share repurchase authorization of $8 billion. Finally, we paid our quarterly dividend totaling $206 million. For the full fiscal year, we returned over $12 billion to shareholders through share repurchases and dividends. At the same time, we spent $6.8 billion for acquisitions. We closed the year with a strong balance sheet, including total gross cash of $11.6 billion and net cash of $3.4 billion. Now, a few comments on our outlook for both the first quarter and the full fiscal year 2008. We expect Q1 fiscal 2008 revenue to be approximately $27.4 billion to $27.5 billion. Similar to last quarter, we do not believe it is prudent to set investor expectations that our personal systems business can continue to grow at more than twice the market rate, nor do we think it appropriate to build a cost structure on that basis. For the full fiscal year, we expect revenue will be approximately $111.5 billion. Regarding earnings, there are a few variables to keep in mind. First, we expect the component pricing environment to be moderately less favorable in Q1 than it was in Q4. Second, we estimate non-GAAP OINE to be about $0.02 cents per share in Q1 and approximately $0.10 cents for the full year 2008. Third, we expect a non-GAAP tax rate of approximately 21% for fiscal 08. Finally, we expect to continue to repurchase shares in the coming quarters. Share count will be impacted by share price trends, option exercise patterns, common stock equivalents, and repurchase activity. Currently, we expect a modest decline in weighted average shares outstanding in Q1. With that in mind, we estimate Q1-08 non-GAAP EPS of $0.80. Cents. 
For FY08, we expect non-GAAP EPS to be in the range of $3.32 to $3.37. All in all, we delivered solid results in FY07, and our increased outlook for fiscal 2008 reflects our progress to date. With that, with that, we will now take your questions. Thank you very much, ma'am. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question, please key star followed by one at this time. If your question has been answered or you wish to withdraw your question, please key star followed by two. Questions will be taken in the order they are received. Please key star one now to begin. Our first question comes from the line of Laura Canigliero of Goldman Sachs. Please proceed. Great. Well, starting with printers. Uh, printer unit growth has been coming down pretty noticeably o over the past three quarters and supplies growth, too. You've got another hard compare in the Jan quarter suggesting another mid-single-digit unit growth rate, rate and another weak supplies growth rate. How should we be viewing growth in these categories after that? And since you have been working at trying to separate supplies growth from unit growth, at what point might we start to actually see some benefit from that without the help of much incremental hardware unit growth? Hey, Laura, Mark, uh, I'll, um, I'll start. Um, first, I think uh, good, um, good question. I think we, we're pretty comfortable with mid to um, high single-digit uh, supplies growth, and I think that favorably uh, uh, helps our business model. Uh, we're also comfortable with sort of mid-range, mid-single-digit uh, unit growth. You know, to your point, we gained a heck of a lot of share coming off of a pretty rough 2003, 2004, and uh, we're also being picky about the categories we're competing. Uh, some of the areas, as Kathy noted, the appliance printer area, uh, we're not seeing the supplies connect rate that, uh, that, uh, that you might want. And so, therefore, we're putting our money into areas that we think give us better connects. So we feel pretty comfortable with where we're headed. Kathy also mentioned that the, if, you, if you actually took out the appliance growth rate on units and then looked at the core inkjet and laser jet, uh, we had a pretty healthy unit growth rate in the quarter, uh, certainly comparable to what we've seen in, 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 in other quarters over the past two and a half years. So I think you should think about those rates. If we get into those levels, which we feel good about, uh, we'll get favorable treatment in the business model. We feel good about that, and we're continuing to be very tough, you know, in this IPG 2.0 transformation to, uh, to be very focused on making sure that we look at every piece of the business and look at the value it brings so that we uh, go to the real core places that we think we have opportunity to improve the business, which is what you saw in the camera uh, business model decision that we described. We're also working very hard, Lauren. I don't mean to be too verbose with this, but I want to make sure I, I give you um, a, a clear answer to this. We worked very hard uh, to ensure that we have channel alignment on supplies inventory relative to the hardware opportunity uh, uh, during the quarter as well. So it's really all of those dynamics tied up together, and net-net you saw that if you took the camera charge out, IPG profit improved during the quarter. So um, we feel pretty good about our opportunities here, but we still have a lot of work to do. Great. Let's take our next question, please. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, next question comes from the line of Bill Shope of J.P. Morgan. Please proceed. Okay, great. Thanks. Can you uh, give us a bit more color on what you saw uh, in the component pricing and availability situation for the quarter, um, particularly as you saw it in PCs and as you saw it in servers and how we should look at that relative to your guidance for next quarter? Um, I'll start, uh, Bill. I mean, commodity pricing was a bit more favorable than we predicted, uh, uh, particularly in, in, in memory. Um, 
you know, as it relates to Q1, you know, it's a seasonally tight market as we approach the holidays, and supply usually tightens. Uh, pricing environments expected to be, uh, I'd say, generally favorable, albeit maybe a little bit less than uh, uh, than Q4. We're we're navigating some tightness in some categories, and yet there are other categories that uh, uh, that there's uh, you know pretty ample supply. So uh, that's probably my best characterization of of, of, of the commodity environment. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Bill. Let's take the next question, operator. Thank you very much. Next question comes from the line of Richard Gardner, Citigroup. Please proceed. Uh, thanks very much. I, the thing that really stuck out to me in the quarter was the strength that you had in business critical server, and I was hoping that you could provide some color on that. Well, I mean, again, you know, we're just doing better. Um, I mean, I wish I could give you a whole. We've been obviously looking at this uh, quite a bit. Uh, when you look at BCS, uh, which is what we call business critical systems, to your point, uh, we've spent a lot of time uh, getting ISV, ISVs ported, and we're up to over uh, 13,000 was the last count I saw. And it's taken us time to get those ISVs ported. Uh, it's taken us time to really get our sales force wrapped around it, and it's also – you, you, you still, Richard, also have to look at the blend of BCS relative to blades because there is some alignment of what happens within our user base and the construct of, of both. And I think the really nice thing about the quarter is the fact that we got growth in BCS and still had the kind of blade growth at 78% blade growth. Those two numbers combined are actually a very, very impressive performance for us. So it's it's when you get both combined that you really start to feel good about the health of our uh, of our market position out there. So Mark, is it just a combination of of application ports and better sales execution and uh, the fact that the old alpha and PA risk stuff is getting to be a smaller part of the business, or you got are there it. any particular customer segments or applications where you're really starting to see some good traction with Itanium? There is no one deal or two deals, so I can put that to rest. That drove that that drove that answer. It is everything you described. We obviously had some uh, PA risk and, and alpha comps to have to get through, but I would tell you that sales execution is uh, is uh, I'll just word it this way: a great opportunity for us at Hewlett Packard, and um, I think we saw a, a better version of that in uh, in Q4, and uh, we certainly feel good about it. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, Rich. Uh, let's take the next question, Bill. Next question comes from the line of Brian Alexander of Raymond James. Please proceed, sir. Yeah, Mark, just on the on the revenue guidance for FY08 of 7%, you've consistently talked about the business as more of a 4 to 6% growth rate. All the segments except software for the last couple of years have been guided in that 4 to 6% range. Uh, obviously, you've done better than that, but I guess the question is, with increasing economic uncertainty and the law of large numbers creating a bigger hurdle, what gives you the confidence to step up the growth rate for the company, and specifically what segments do you expect to do better than that than you've got it before? Well, I mean, you know, we're not trying to, to step up expectations, you know, really too far beyond the model that uh, uh, that we've that we've described. So, you know, at the end of the day, you have to peel back the currency impact and then really stare at those local currency growth rates. And I think right now, what's in the numbers that Kathy described to you, as she mentioned, is a couple of things. You know, we've looked at currency in Q1, and we've got a pretty good idea of where currency will fall, given how we, we, we hedge currencies and how we look at them in the quarter. We're, we are more uncertain about currency in Q2, Q3, and Q4. We've seen, obviously, drastic changes in the euro and other currencies that, um, you know, leave us without a precise landing point on where, where those will be throughout the rest of the year. So think of us as giving you sort of a, 
uh, a Q1 that we feel pretty good about from a currency perspective with a Q2 and Q3, a Q2 through Q4 with a little less certainty. Um, that said, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Brian, we, we like our position in many of the markets that we're in. We are um, working very hard on our cost structure. We're realigning within the context of the cost structure that you see. And if you were to peel back our, you know, even our SG&A, uh, and took out acquisitions and took out currency. We've had very little increase in SG&A over the, uh, and driving all this growth with very little increase. And yet, even within that little increase, we've been able to put more feet on the street. So, as Kathy mentioned, and I think uh, it's worth reiterating, we build business models that don't have exorbitant growth rates in them. We build them on the models that you just reiterated back to me. We then put pressure on our expense structure, and then we try to align as much go-to-market capacity and R&D capacity inside that tighter uh, business model. And what that allows us to do is if the growth is there, we're able to take it and or participate in it, let me put it that way, and then able to, to, to see it uh, roll within our business, uh, uh, business model. So we're doing more of the same, Brian. That's, that's what I would describe to you, and that's how we see fiscal year 08. We'll let the economy work its way through. Uh, hopefully it's better than, than some of the doomsayers uh, predict, and if it is, we hope to be able to benefit from that. Thank you. Great. Let's take the next question, please. Next question comes from the line of Ben Aritzis of UBS. Please proceed. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks. Um, just uh, with regard to um, uh, the economy, Mark, could you just talk a little bit more about that and uh, in context, are, are you still a third consumer, would you say, and, and can you talk about your exposure to financials and just in, in general, you know, you're still guiding to, uh, you know, for the next quarter, 9 to 10% growth, so it seems like HP is plugging along. Um, just putting your own uh, performance in context with the market uh, a little more and, and talking a little bit more in consumer in certain segments, especially financials, uh, would be helpful if you can. Well, Ben, I'll do my best, but I mean, I just, again, I, I don't want to be confused with an economist uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're just, we know a lot about our company, and um, we know a lot about our funnels and the visibility of that, and, and frankly, uh, that's what I'll comment on. Um, you know, we saw, again, if you looked at our performance, we saw solid growth across all businesses and regions, and, and remembering our demographics, uh, 67% of our revenue comes from outside the U.S. Uh, if you looked at, as I mentioned, the BRIC countries of Brazil, Russia, India, and China, we grew 37%. It's now 9% of, of, of our revenue, and we saw strong growth in, 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 all of those, in all of those regions. We're executing well in some of, the, in some of our key markets, PCs, blades, software. I mean, you've heard that, that story today. So on a worldwide basis, to give you some context on financial services, we are probably not the best one to ask about that market because we just actually we have limited exposure to the financial services market. I won't give you a precise number, but it's not a it's not a big number. Now, within that not not a big number, we saw really uh, no material weakness in financial services. Um, and, and again, though we're largely underpenetrated in that market, so it's 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 hard to say. Big part markets for us inside financial services are. Subsegments like stock exchanges, which you know, uh, even in this market, are are actually doing pretty well. So um, I, I wish I could give you more, but we're not. We, we're actually trying to get more exposed to financial services by actually selling more into that industry. We see it as a big opportunity for us, but currently it's 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 not nearly as big as uh, as we'd like it. But again, we saw no material weakness in it uh, during the quarter. 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Ben. Great. Uh, let's take the next question, please. Next question comes from the line of Tony Sakanahe of Sanford Bernstein. Please proceed. Uh, yes, thank you. I just wanted to follow up on that previous question. Uh, Mark, the United States was the only region whose growth rate actually decelerated in the quarter, and your guidance is calling for revenue growth of constant currency to go from 10% this quarter to 5% next quarter. I appreciate the not wanting to get ahead of yourselves in terms of PCs, but to hit that revenue growth rate, PCs has to decelerate from about 30% revenue growth to a single-digit number. So are you are you being conservative overall, or is there anything that I'm inferring about what we saw in the deceleration in the U.S. and your guidance that is causing you to be more conservative? So, so Tony, I think uh, it's really the um, the deceleration in PSG that uh, is driving our guidance in Q1, and I'm, I'm, I'm I don't really see it as single digit um, uh, year over year growth deceleration, but there is some deceleration. It still is faster than the market, and we still expect to. Um, to increase market share in Q1. But again, we've been we've been cautious about our PSG business basically each and every quarter, not wanting to get a cost structure ahead of where um, our revenue is going to come in. Um, and so that's really what's driving a lot of our uh, our revenue seasonality Q1. Sorry, Q4 to Q1. And any comment on the deceleration in the U.S. this quarter relative to all other regions in the world? Yeah, no, not really. Uh, Tommy, it's kind of again a broad um, story. If um, and I, I, I usually don't like to get into to too much detail in all this, but I, I will for the sake of this call, since I know there's 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 interest. I mean, you know, we did grow seven percent, so uh, overall it was faster than the high end of our four to six percent range that we typically give as a company. So you know, when we grow seven percent uh, overall, even though we've had other quarters better than that, we we don't feel too bad because it treats our business model very favorably. Now, inside that, uh, we had some better performance in the enterprise than we've seen in, in the past. And uh, again, I've heard a lot of comments about enterprise, but but if you looked at it sequentially, we actually saw some some uh, some improvement in enterprise uh, in the U.S. PSG continued along. Uh, you know, roughly where it has been in in the U.S. And then we did do some of our work in the printing segment in the U.S. Um, uh, that I described earlier to an earlier question. So that was kind of the story in the U.S. Uh, for us um, uh, overall. At seven percent, uh, uh, was not uh, not a bad quarter for us. Great. Let's take the next question, please. Next question comes from the line of Harry Blunt of Lehman Brothers. Please proceed. Hi guys. I'm actually going to come back to the full year FY08 guidance. Sorry to do this, but it looks to me like if if we assume you guys do uh, benefit from the dollar, say the dollar stays flat just where it's at, and take a look at where the average price of the dollar was in fiscal 07, looks like you might be getting three to four points of currency benefit there, and if you make another point or two of acquisitions, it, it almost looks like the guidance is uh, assuming very low single-digit uh, organic year-over-year growth, and I'd love for you to comment on that a little bit. So, um, as Mark mentioned, uh, we, we feel pretty comfortable with uh, the currency for Q1, and we factored that into our Q1 guidance, but it's just too uncertain um, what Q2 to Q4 is going to look like, and so we took a very conservative stance on currency. If, if currency turns out to be uh, more favorable than what we've got, then uh, we will have built a cost structure 
that will uh, allow for some nice expansion on the bottom line um, with the increase in growth. Yeah, and so, so Harry, I, I'd, uh, so while, while Kathy gives you a great analytical answer, I want to make sure I'm clear that I hope you just don't go bake in all the current currency into your model uh, because, you know, we're just, we're just unsure of where, of where, where this thing is going gonna, is gonna to land. We've done that within the context of Q1, as I mentioned earlier, because we think we've got pretty good visibility, you know, over the course of the next 75 days. Uh, but that's kind of where our visibility runs out. Now, to your point, if, if currency stays where it is or gets a little better, we, we may do better. Um, but, again, our business model is what we've been describing all along. We try to make sure that we're very disciplined in our ability to align uh, cost to growth. And it's very easy to get into a currency model that justifies a whole lot of spending. And I can tell you that I have no, I am not up for that. So what I'm up for is a disciplined approach through the year and within the cost structure that we can afford at a, at a revenue level that we can have visibility to, that we realign our cost structure to put us in the best position to capture that revenue if it shows up. So we'll, we'll see how the year unfolds, but, but that's how we built our model, and, and uh, um, that's where we are. Got it. I was just. Uh, it looks like, in the context of the overall marketplace, it looks like you guys are being very conservative on on any assumptions for organic growth. Well, thank you, Harry. Thank you very much, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, your next question comes from the line of Andrew Neff of Bear Stearns. Please proceed. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to go back to a question earlier that asked about the consumer outlook. Um, I guess if if uh, Mark, if you could just sort of talk about you know the consumer side of business, is it still around a third of your business? What were you seeing in different regions as to what consumer behavior was? Any any signs? You talked about the commercial activity that you weren't seeing any signs of weakness there. Just give us a sense about what sort of the consumer expect, uh, what consumer is telling you at this point. I'll do my uh, do my best, Andy. I, uh, the um, yeah, the numbers you describe are roughly right. I mean, uh, within the third, a third, a third. That being a a, a third consumer. A third being, you know, what the broader definition of small and medium, medium business, um, and then a third being uh, the enterprise. Um, within that, I gave you some color. The color I was giving you was particularly on the U.S. enterprise uh, earlier about seeing some um, improvement uh, there. Again, I wouldn't run away with excitement on that improvement. I just said when you look at it, actual numbers, we improved sequentially over the course of the year in our position in the enterprise uh, in, the, uh, in the U.S. Within the consumer market, to try to give you more color, we saw um, strong growth in certain product categories. So, uh, and this is, again, a little bit more depth than I usually give, but I know it's a topic of, of, of keen interest. We saw very strong consumer uh, desire for notebooks. So demand was, was strong. Uh, demand was strong in some printer, some printer categories more than others. So there was sort of a mix within the printer category, as there was uh, a mix in the in the PC category. I think when you knit the whole consumer segment together globally and across all product lines, we saw steady demand across the consumer, and that's a global across all product line uh, sort of statement. So I know a lot of data, but unfortunately, there's a lot of points to cover, and that's roughly what I would describe our position as. Do you sense any hesitance on the part of the channel and in carrying inventories going in? Are they concerned about the consumer demand? Or? I think, it again, Andy, goes back to, without taking in the individual retailer's position, so let's take that aside. On a broad statement basis, it still comes back to the categories. I think when you look at the categories, there are some printer segments where 
the channel is very excited. There are some uh, PC segments where the channel is very excited, and I've, I've tried to give you a color. So I think the channel behavior pretty much mirrors the consumer demand story that I just described, and, and we're seeing no... Uh, if your question is, given that consumer demand, are you seeing aberrative behavior on the part of the retailers because of, say, the credit crunch? And I'm putting words in your mouth, and that's not what you asked. But my answer to that question would be no. We're not, we're not seeing that. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Andy. Great. Let's take the next question, please. Next question comes from the line of Shannon Cross of Cross Research. Please uh, proceed. Hi. Good afternoon. Um, looking at your cash flow, I mean, inventory was extremely solid uh, quarter over quarter, uh, but AR continued to trend up. How should we think about cash flow and working capital management as we go into fiscal 2008, especially with the $8 uh, billion share repurchase, and, and what should we sort of think about? Maybe we're jumping the gun here from what you're going to be telling us at the analyst day in a couple of weeks, but any color you can give would be great. Sure. So, Shannon, uh, we're going to continue to leverage our balance sheet to drive shareholder value. We've got a really strong balance sheet, and, and we want to take uh, the best use of it. So we are making economic trade-offs um, to take advantage of cash discounts from suppliers, adjusting payment terms with our customers that, that will allow us to drive more profitable growth, and we'll continue to look at these trade-offs. We look at them very analytically to make sure that they do, in fact, add value, and that's really what has driven the um, extension of DSO and, frankly, the contraction of accounts payable. Um, the other item on accounts payable um, is that we did change the linearity of purchases in this quarter, and that was heavily driven by some strategic buys that we made early in the quarter um, that were really there to drive and assure a supply, especially in LCDs. And so uh, we made some very early and wise uh, purchases um, in the quarter, which changes the linearity and, of course, then the math for uh, how uh, DPO is actually calculated. I also would like to make sure that the inventory work we did over the quarter, Shannon, was, you know, a lot of work on the part of the company. We've had, uh, you know, some uh, issues uh, in Q1, and we wanted to make sure we we, we, we really did the right job here. And, and I would tell you, we're not. This is not a demand signal either. This was just us trying to uh, get the optimal inventory uh, uh, conclusion at the end of the year. So, to Kathy's point, we are um, very mindful of the alignment between DSO, DPO being payables, of course, and then the inventory and how those asset metrics play again back into the total performance of the business. I mean, inventory to just that one metric can be a very confusing metric because. You, you can describe that less inventory is good, but to be to be very blunt, you can you can in some cases have more inventory and increase your profit margins. So when you look at the way you use logistics and the way you leverage logistics across the globe, so we actually have a, a bit more complex process that we go through than just simply let's lower inventory and let's uh, let's get payables to the to the to the highest number we possibly can. It, it, we have to align the balance sheet metric, and we have to align it with the income statement. And then we have to look at the best return on our invested capital that we get for the alignment of all those metrics. So it's a case where, and you, know, you know, I like metrics, but, but you can get over-metricized in this area if you're not careful. You have to look at the integration of these metrics. And so what we do, and Kathy and I spend a lot of time on this, and I would tell you, Kathy's done a great job. Uh, aligning the clarity of these metrics to make sure we clearly understand what drives more shareholder value. Okay, and so as we look at fiscal 08 to fiscal 2008, is there, or sorry, fiscal 07 to fiscal 08, is there anything that's dramatically changing from 
you know, any of the metrics from a working capital standpoint, or should we sort of assume business as usual, you know, as we factor in and try to figure out our cash flow numbers for 08? So you should assume business as usual. There will there'll be no, uh, at this point, we don't anticipate any big changes to our working capital metrics, but, but the, the reality is we look at this on a fairly real-time basis to make sure we make the right decision um, to drive the best value for the, the shareholder. But in general, um, we're basically calling for them to be about this level. Great. I, I think, Shannon, the big, the big wild card really is if we have more success in the enterprise, and, and the enterprise has some different DSO metrics, and those can, those can affect you. Um, if you're, you know, it's sort of like if you're successful, there are some things that come with, with the price of success uh, that, that, that we have to deal with. So if we're very successful this year, it, 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 could, it could throw us off a bit on those metrics. But, uh, again, I think that's not what we've got blended into our models. We think we know where we're headed in the enterprise, and I would agree with Kathy. This is business as usual for us, and we're going to continue to be um, very uh, focused on and, these metrics. And before we get off of the topic of uh, receivables, I think uh, you, you should never walk away feeling um, that – we have any concern about our ability to collect receivables. We don't see any um, degradation in credit quality. Um, so our receivable move out was a conscious decision and a reflection of the enterprise growth that we're getting, and we're very comfortable that uh, we'll collect the receivables and generate the cash. Great. Thank you. Great. Let's take the next question, please. Next question comes from the line of Katie Huberty of Morgan Stanley. Please proceed. Mark, do you have any insight as to whether the recent acceleration in emerging market PC unit growth is coming from real secular improvements in adoption rates that should continue into next year versus more short-term cyclical or, or currency factors that would be driving that incremental demand? So I don't, they're not currency factors, Katie. I think it's a, it's a very good question, the one that you raise. I, I do think, as we've mentioned in, in previous calls, it's, it's – this explosion of content that's going on around the planet is is a big driver. So when you think of the content, there's words out there and analysis out there that the that the sheer size of global content, you know, whether it's produced by, you know, ESPN or News Corp or you know coming off the web at Yahoo, it's that content is doubling every 18 months. And when you get people across the globe that want access to that content. And you take places in some of these markets you're describing where the only access that the person has to that content is through a notebook and a wireless card. Because landlines are not nearly as pervasive as what you'll see in markets like the U.S. And it's why I always caution people, U.S. is 5% of the world's consumers. You know, 95% of them are not here. And when you look at some of the emerging markets, the necessity of some of this technology is, 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 is more of a staple than I think what some of, us, some of us typically think. So we see good growth in those markets, and our distribution in markets like China and in markets like India and markets like Eastern Europe are, are increasing. And so we feel very good about the trends we're seeing in terms of the number of, of people that want access to that content and our opportunity to compete for that. So um, I feel good about it. I would not call any of this unit growth you're seeing there as currency-driven, at least from what, from, from what we're seeing. We think it is strong uh, natural demand based on the content and the access to it. Great. Why don't we take uh, – we'll take two more questions, Operator. Okay, our next question comes from the line of Bill Fernley of FTN Midwest. Please proceed. Yes, good afternoon. I wanted to shift gears, if I could, to storage, Mark. Um, could you provide more color 
on the segments and the demand and the pricing environment for HP storage in light of some of the cautious commentary from some of your competitors? And should we expect any M&A moves by HP, especially in storage hardware or storage software segments here uh, in the upcoming year? Thanks. So while I know this is an intimate call, I, I probably wouldn't go into much M&A detail um, on, on, on this call other than to say we you have a filter of something that makes strategic sense, it makes financial sense, and that we can actually run it and operate it. Storage, uh, again, given, given what's happening with the world's content, you know, it's got to be created, it's got to be moved, it's got to be processed, it's got to be stored, it's got to be visualized, and got to be printed. And storage is one of those key attributes. So storage is a place that we uh, we have interest in in growing our position. That said, organically our our position improved. I mean EVA uh, growth, our mid range uh, EVA systems grew 17 percent, which is one of the better numbers that, that that we've seen. And so we're happy with with EVA growth. I continue to think you're going to see growth, Bill, more in that low end mid range area, particularly as those those storage capabilities begin to. Uh, have more, I don't know what the right word for it is, reliability. They're now more accepted in the enterprise, not just through the mid-market. So we feel good about our position there. But we grew 7% here in the, in, in the quarter, and while we feel good about that, we could do better. We still have a tape business that's, that's, that's not growing the way we'd like, and the high end is still behaving more like the mainframe market um, as opposed to like the mid-range market and the, the lower end of the storage market. So even within storage, Bill, there's a number of different dimensions you have to get under. We feel very good about our MSA, which is our low end, and our mid-range EVA lines, and our opportunity to scale in that market, and we'll continue to invest into that. Thanks. Great. Let's take one last question, please, Bill. Okay. Our final question comes from the line of Keith Bachman of Bank of Montreal. Please proceed. Under the wire. Hey, guys, uh, just a Mark, a question on the profitability side, what was traditionally enterprise systems or ESG? Um, the systems and the software side had noticeable improvements in the, in the operating margins. I think software had some noticeable help from the Merck um, fall off on the accounting side. But how should we be thinking about um, sustained levels of profitability in these two divisions in particular? Thanks. Uh, I'll start and let Kathy uh, chime in. I think... Um, uh, on software, we, we gave a range a year ago of getting the software business to, to look like what a scaled software business ought to look like. And uh, we gave ranges in, in 08 of roughly 18 to, to 22%. Uh, and um, I, I, we've done nothing to change that view. You know, we believe that the software business has done a nice job integrating Mercury as well as several other acquisitions during the year, Keith. It wasn't just just Mercury. They've also done a nice job organically of of, of building up uh, our organic capabilities at the same time as we've been doing some integration. So we feel real good about the operationalization of of, of all that. And uh, I think you'll see, you know, that, that platform that I described with the Mercury integration generating the kind of profit levels that we, that we described. Now, as Kathy mentioned in her prepared statements that uh, she mentioned, that we've got a couple of things that we're going to move in. And that includes our business intelligence offering and our information management offerings. And those segments have typically been in ESS. And we're moving them in because we think they're strategically better aligned in the go-to-market model of software than they are in ESS. And they are embryonic in nature, which, uh, or I can use the word strategic or embryonic, most of them mean that they don't generate great operating income at the current time, but we think they will in the future. 
So we're going to move them into software. So what you'll see in 08 is us reporting the, the, the traditional way we think of software as we reported this quarter, which we think is healthy and projected to be healthy uh, relative to the models we described, plus these new segments that, 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 that come in. So if you didn't fall asleep listening to all that, I'm going to let Kathy give you some more well, we, color. We will provide additional uh, guidance in Q1 um, on exactly what the impact was of moving these embryonic businesses from um, ESS and the support piece from HP Services. But it's important to note that the software margin will be dampened by, at least at the beginning of the year, by the move of these, uh, these assets into uh, software for next year. Okay, and, great. Okay. And, and how about on the system side, Kathy? So uh, we, saw, we saw good improvement on uh, system margins, both from commodity prices, but it was actually way more than that. We also had good warranty improvement, um, good, in good attach, good um, channel, I'm sorry, not channel, supply chain efficiencies as well. And so we're feeling uh, very, very good about the ESS performance and our ability to continue to improve in that area and, frankly, take expenses out where appropriate with respect to our business critical systems business. As its uh, gross margin has come down, we've also been able to realign our cost structure in that area. Keith, uh, ESS did a very nice job from a productivity perspective. To Kathy's point, they generated uh, the kind of growth that, uh, that we reported today and did a very nice job in their expense structure as they, uh, they did it. So, again, it's an example of us. The ESS is not a place, Keith, that we went out with big revenue projections going forward. Now, they've delivered on that because right. we've been able to keep our expenses um, very, very contained. And even within ESS, as I mentioned, we've actually been able to align more of that to pure R&D and to the go-to-market model. And so as a result, when we see the opportunity in Blades or BCS, we're now able to go do more work and, 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 and bring that revenue into the company. So I think that's a group that... Uh, uh, I'll, I'll give it a short-term thing because uh, they'll probably listen to the call, and I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to laud anybody too much. But in this quarter, uh, did uh, uh, did what we really uh, we'd expect them to do. Okay, thanks, guys. Thanks, Keith. Thank you. Okay, let me uh, close up from there, and I, I really do appreciate your questions. Uh, I'll summarize today's call by saying that we had a strong quarter, characterized by double-digit growth across all of our regions, share gains in key businesses, margin expansion expense discipline, and significant share repurchases. We did this while continuing to make progress on improving our cost structure and investing in our strategic initiatives that we believe will strengthen Hewlett-Packard's long-term competitive positioning. Given the solid fundamentals within our business, we are increasing non-GAAP EPS guidance for the ninth consecutive quarter. And I am pleased with our progress to date, and I'm confident that we can continue to execute with discipline and produce another year of strong financial returns. Finally, we do look forward to seeing you in New York City, our annual securities analyst meeting on December 11th, and I thank you again for joining the call. Thank you very much, sir, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your participation in today's presentation. You may now disconnect. Have a good day.